0: That is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, our favorite time of the week, where I am hosting with my amazing sister from another mister, physical therapist,
1: extraordinaire, Kristen Williams. Oh, hello, everybody. Hello, Laura. So glad to be here. We've got some Great questions lined up this week, don't we? We do. You want to get started? Yeah, I'll get started. Um, So our good friend Monica wrote in a question here and it was just so great. I love this question. She said, why is it that so many people believe that they aren't flexible enough to do yoga, especially men? It is somehow in their mind that they have to be able to touch the floor in a standing forward fold with their legs straight. Would be great if we could discuss this. Peace, love, and down dogs, Monica. I'll let you start, Laura. Yeah, well, I would just say, well, why does everybody think they're not thin
0: enough? Why does everyone think they're not? Because we're told these things, and it's like just ubiquitous in the yoga world. Fortunately, I think it's changing some, but it still is so predominant, uh, this idea that uh, you're going to be doing these very bendy contortions that immediately are going to, um, be a huge block for many people, not just men, but anybody that feels like, wow, I'm too, I'm too tight. I'm not flexible enough. You know, this is so commonly said, like, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. And people say, oh, the response is like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm too dirty to take a shower. It's like, okay. (laughs) Um, first I think The the preconceptions are just so wired in in people's brains. And also the representation, let's be honest. It's been a white woman doing a lot of contortions. Um, Men perhaps have been shown and uh, they're showcased as being superheroes, you know, doing all kinds of crazy arm balances, lots of flexibility. And so these are, I look at it like that is a representation, just like you look at a model on the catwalk. That is a very small representation of the human body. And very few people are going to be fitting into that size clothing. Even though that is the the selling, you know, model, it's it's not the model and representation of the majority of the population. And it's it's exactly the same in yoga. If you've only been looking at Um, really, really strong or really, really flexible people, then that in between, uh, I'm not quite flexible enough, I'm not quite strong enough, it is hard to, to feel welcome. And so I think it is incumbent on us who are teachers to really welcome everyone and to say like the goal, there is no goal of touching the floor, of straightening your knee and touching of doing this pose. The goal is to better balance your body, your mind, your breath, your nervous system, so that you have a fighting chance to feel good in life and to be a better person. And to, you know, so I think the messaging has to be that, that everyone, this is for everyone because everyone has imbalances. We all have habits. And, you know, that's what we talk about in Lit Yoga. Our goal is to um, give you the tools and guide you to help your particular body feel the best and to optimize the performance for your lifestyle. And that's going to be different. If I have a, you know, Olympian, what their goal is, is going to be very different than a busy parent who has 15 minutes for him or herself. So I think we just have to um, be more welcoming and welcome in the messaging Yoga is not the pose. Yoga is the invitation to wake the F up in life and notice where you are not being your best self, taking care of yourself, um, staying alert and aware of your habits. And that could be your behavioral habits. That could be your movement habits. They often are intertwined. So that's what yoga is. It's not what you're doing on the mat. It's how you take the educational, spiritual, physical, mental tools that you learn on the mat and apply them in your life to bring you more fulfillment and raise your consciousness.
1: I agree with you. I, I will say, um, and you would, were kind of revealing some behind the scenes talk, but, you know, we have considered taking the term yoga out of our title for that very reason, because yoga unfortunately has become synonymous with flexibility. And I personally think that's far from what we are striving for is flexibility, a, a, uh, benefit of doing the lit yoga method. Yes. Is it a goal? No, the goals so we've really thought, should we just call ourselves the lit method? Because of exactly what Monica's talking about, this unfortunate parallel that's drawn between the two. And I will say, we forget because we don't go to other yoga classes that often. But every time I do, I am reminded at, of the attention that is placed towards flexibility. So many of these traditional yoga classes finish with passive stretching at the end. They don't encourage people to bend the knees. They encourage people to push the knees straight. Uh, so, you know, I will say being, you're the creator of the Lit Yoga Method, so you do have a different perspective as a believer in it and a, you know, kind of a convert to it. Um, really early on in my yoga career, because I saw what traditional yoga was pushing people towards and going, why? Um, I, I do think that it is not a goal in Lit in the lit yoga method, our goal is to move better. It's to move better for life. It's to be stronger. The flexibility that comes along with it is a positive benefit it, that happens because we are moving better, because we are moving in multiple planes of motion. So the people I encourage to the lit yoga method more than anyone else are the very hypo-flexible, not flexible, and the very hyper-flexible because we bring everybody to the middle Mm -hmm. with our method. And so that's my soapbox speech about at least the lit yoga method because I do think traditional yoga, how many times do you see? I mean, there are hundreds of get your splits in seven weeks take my method to get your splits, take my method to do this. And it's sort of like, why are we trying to do splits in our (laughs) forties? I'm sorry. I can put my pants on fine. Bending my knees. I, there is zero, 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 zero reason to do the splits people. There's little to no reason to touch your toes, put your hands flat with your knees straight. Why bend your knees. Why? The knees are the largest joints in the body. They're meant to bend, flex at your hips. They're the second most mobile joint. So all of these things that we're trying to do is silly. And that is, you know, again, so synonymous with lit yoga method, heck no. Synonymous with a lot of others. Yeah. You're, you're really not, you need, you need to be flexible to do a lot of other traditional practices because they do push that. So I would love to see the momentum continue to shift. And I do think, we're seeing it Mm -hmm. we see a lot of people coming we get a lot of yoga teachers that come to take our our method learn to teach our method because they want to learn more about the body and they want or they've been injured trying to touch their toes or do the crazy arm balances and stuff Um, because trust me I get it that's been that was very attractive to me the arm balances and the strength side of it I've never been super bendy I'm very I'm flexible but I'm not like hyper flexible so I would like to just distinguish between the two (laughs) And
0: and the other thing, Monica, you can say to anyone, any males in your life or any females in your life, and this is, I always try and reframe, and I'm sure you're always doing that, like, it's like, okay, so it's challenging for you to bend over. Like, your hamstrings are there actually to coil, to propel you forward. They are going to resist you lengthening them, and so... Think more about what do you need to do more of, which is probably move at the, like we said, move at the hip. But honor, this is where we also, I think, explain the why. Honor, the the hamstring muscles, their physiological um, reason of being is not to be stretched end to end at all. It is to shorten and push us, like, propel us forward they have a huge elastic component to them large fascial connections that tells you that is made for a coil and recoil effect for walking for running for climbing stairs it is not intended to be sitting there and stretching them at their length so if yeah if you never get down and, and get your legs out and a straddle does not matter how is it impacting your life Because the people that are really working hard on those middle splits and stretching with the knees straight, where they're going to have trouble is the real life stuff. Like I go for a hike and ah, all of a sudden they wonder why they pull a hamstring. Well, it's like you have been pulling on it already. And then you're asking it to do its job and you've pulled it out of its kind of recoiling capacity. So balance, balance, balance. If you feel tight in your hamstrings, look somewhere else. They're meant to have that degree of tightness. Um, and it's probably coming somewhere else, like how you're moving your hips, how you're moving your ankles, how what's your low back up to? So yeah. yeah. Great There question. we go. Yeah. Great question.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, we We got another one from another one of our Yoga teachers, um, Rebecca, and she says, hey, Laura and Kristen, I have a question for the podcast. Could you talk about what you recommend for for dealing with thoracic outlet syndrome and how to mobilize the first rib, as well as what movements are helpful or to avoid to keep it from flaring up again? Definitely working on posture and forward head. So she's been dealing with, uh, been having a shoulder issue most of the summer that flared up from doing a lot of computer work. She went to a new chiropractor that does soft tissue work, and he helped determine my first rib was out and the overactive muscles were entrapping my nerves and leading to thoracic outlet syndrome. Mine definitely reached a point where I needed treatment, but before I found it hard to know how to deal with nerve issues because things that would normally feel good would make it worse. Would love to hear any tips you all have for dealing with nerve issues in the shoulders and neck. Thank you. Love the Wednesday Q&A, Rebecca. Hmm. This is very common. Um, I used to treat first rib issues all the time when I, especially when I was um, working in Kentucky and I worked uh, in a heavy, heavy spine population. So we worked very closely with several of the local neurosurgeons, a lot of the uh, chronic pain people would refer to us. And we were kind of known for our hands-on skills and it was very interesting, you know, I'd known about the first rib, but you know, really when I started working in this clinic that got a lot of referrals, I was amazed by how influential uh it became in my treatment protocol/slash you know plan. Um, and and being able to mobilize this area, Lara, I think I just went to go see Lara. I was lucky enough to bop down to Chicago last week, and my neck was really bothering me. And you were palpating right on that first rib and just mobilizing it. And it was just like, ah, because what you guys, for many people don't know your first rib, it's actually way up in your shoulder. So if, if, if you palpate where your neck, if you touch where your neck meets your shoulder and push down that first bony area you hit is actually your, your first rib. It's, it attaches all the way up where the nape of the neck is, then it comes around underneath your collarbone. And so it's just a little kind of horseshoe-shaped bone. What's unique about it is that we have muscles in the front of the neck that attach to it, and they create this triangle. So if that first rib becomes, in theory, this rib can pop up. It becomes elevated. And the reason it can do that, maybe the others are not so able to do that, is because, because it's right at the junction of where the 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 cervical spine, the neck meets the thoracic spine. So, the anatomy of those two spinal levels are different. In the T spine, we have little divots that hold the ribs above and below in place. You can imagine you have a rib coming in and it's held in place by the vertebra above, the vertebra low, and so on and so forth. But the top one doesn't have that thoracic vertebra above, it's just kind of I wouldn't call it free floating, but it's definitely not as secure because the anatomy of our cervical vertebrae are different than the anatomy of our thoracic vertebrae. So it's more susceptible to maybe lifting up. And the littlest lift can cause what we call thoracic outlet syndrome, which is basically impingement. So that, that little triangle gets smaller, all the nerves coming out get impinged. So there's a lot of things you can do to treat this. And the interesting thing about the first rib, I've, I've treated people with wrist issues, with elbow issues, that I, they had gone to other people that had treated the heck out of their wrist, the heck out of their elbow, the heck out of their shoulder, never got better. We come to find it's the first rib and the neck are what's driving it. So also remember not to look where your issue is. So, you know, for example, Rebecca is having shoulder issues. So one of the things, some of my favorite things to do, and if you are watching on YouTube, you can use a strap or even just your hand, just to get your hand right where I was telling you to, to palpate, which is you know, right where the shoulder meets the neck. And this is a rib, so it, it breathes, it moves with breath. And so inspiring, and you feel that rib will in, come up into your hand as you exhale. So I have my opposite hand coming across. As I exhale, I'll draw down and kind of pull on that rib. And then you can turn your head towards the rib. You can turn your head away. You can lean towards, lean away. You can continue to breathe while you hold that tension. Lara was just getting in there and palpating front to back, just getting it to mobilize, which felt amazing. So having a loved one do that to you, she was just kind of right here at my chest wall and then at the, at the back and just moving it back and forth. A lot of soft tissue of those neck uh, to the neck muscles helps. But my favorite thing is just getting in there with a strap or your hand, mobilizing, thinking about mobilizing the T-spine as well. And you do become quite in tune to, to knowing when something's off there. Uh, it might not feel, again, like, like it's your first rib, but usually I think there is some sort of component of the first rib involved, because it is not super stable. That's the first thing that comes to my head. Laura, what else do you give people to do to treat this?
0: Yeah, I mean, everything you said, and you know, if you don't have somebody to go to, like, we know how to do this on each other or to ourselves. Mm -hmm. The first thing, and you, and you meant, and she mentioned it already, is like working on posture. I mean, because my theory is when your head goes forward, these things are getting kind of push together. And so the first rib actually, in a way to have kind of more space, pops up. You know, you're forward, it, it, it's closing off that area. And it, it just has to, it's almost like a little responsiveness to your head going forward and stuff. So doing things where, I, I do things where, you know, you put your head on the block and you rock side to side and you lower the chin, and then you might add a, a chest stretch with it. You mentioned some of those things actually don't feel good. And that is not necessarily an indication it's not gonna get better. It's it's you gotta, it's always with nerve stuff, you have to kind of play a little bit. Uh you don't want big zingers or obviously long-lasting pain afterwards, but it is a little bit of a testing ground because some things will feel like pretty uncomfortable or intense, and they are it's actually moving it back in to better alignment. You have to play with that a little bit. Opening the chest, getting that chest, and and combining it with some of the neck stuff Kristen was saying. Um, I have stuff on Instagram. I, I posted a thoracic outlet thing. There's a lot more to do. I will tell you, also observe what you're doing in daily life. It's always that. In addition to the posture, I can't tell you dozens of people I've treated who have first rib thoracic outlet stuff that wear a backpack or some very heavy purse on that side. And they literally are compressing in a way that either inflames the area and that closes down that triangular shape that Kristen was talking about. So the first rib itself is not necessarily out of place, but it's really irritated. Um, Jaw grinding is big too, because those muscles that attach to your first rib also come up into the jaw. So you have to look at what are the daily things that might also be contributing it to? Because they those are the things ultimately they're contributing to it, right? It's just like we're unwinding some of that when we do our yoga stuff. But, you know, most of us aren't doing yoga five hours a day, certainly not 12 hours a day. So it's like where, what's happening the rest of your day? You said computer work. I mean, unfortunately, that's a big, that's a big doozy. Like, where is your screen? Are you are you at eye level? Or are you looking down a little bit and that skull is sliding forward and maybe? Pushing that uh, first rib up slightly, but look at the backpack purse uh, thing. I can't tell you how many people who are like, "Oh my gosh, I've been, I've done this, I've done that," and they get all these different answers, and I'm just like, "Tell me about your life," <laughs> you know. And it's like some of them were students, some of them lived in New York, and this is how they got around. They slung it on one side. Some of them were you know, moms who are carrying heavy things. And I'm like, let's talk about the bag because that is right, That let me think about it. The strap that you're using to help get it back aligned is also the one that's pulling that down and compressing it um, in a much heavier way. It's not the, the therapeutic way. So look at all the things that your daily life entail and it can be overwhelming, but start with a few things. Start with, can you get your head back in a better position when you're on the computer, maybe switch to the other side or do, do, do like the d- dual, like the nerdy backpack. I'm always doing that. I always did that. I always told my kids, use both straps, <laughs> um, whatever it takes. But Just notice those things and keep the upper back muscles getting their strength so that you can help keep the chest wall from being uh, so shortened because you don't have the strength in the back muscles to stabilize as well against any type of rounding forward. There's a lot more to say, but those are some good nuggets to start with. It is definitely something we see a lot. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, I'll finish off with a final question. Um, this is a good one. Just uh, Kirtagnihatri. <laughs> That's a long one. How to get rid out of depression and feeling down? Well, I will just speak for a moment. Full full disclosure. There is clinical depression, and that is absolutely something you should seek professional help with. And there's, I think, if nothing else that's come out of this COVID experience is there's been a lot more mental health um, support that you can get virtually um, for less cost, et cetera, et cetera. um, But in general, if you're just feeling, we all have, you know, depressive moments where we're feeling down, we're feeling heavy. It might, um, you know, manifest in different ways depending on like chemistry versus just like life, life stuff. Um, And so I'm going to tell you what works for me, but remember, everybody's different. So for me, I don't struggle with mental health I, if anything, I'm pretty much like this, you know, like I, I get excited, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not either, I'm not manic and I'm not, down, I'm just like pretty steady. And that's how I've always been. So that is my chemistry for sure. However, I have a ton of clinical depression in my family. So I think from an early age when I would feel that kind of fogginess of depression, I knew that that was definitely in my family. And I am going to uh, do something about it with the skills that I have. I obviously don't have it to the degree that some people do. Everybody's different. The brain is like any other organ of the body. My nephew has type 1 diabetes. I wouldn't say to him, try this holistic thing to get, you know, the amount of insulin. He needs insulin, right? Right. That's his. That's his physiological demand. The brain is the same way. So if you need med- medical support, you get it. That is what your brain and history and all the other, you know, the, the whole elixir requires. Mine didn't require that, but I was aware that that could be a tendency. So for me, the things I do, movement always helps. There's no doubt. Getting outside. Having uh, just moments of, of being by myself in solitude in nature, I think this is throughout time, this has been a common piece that helps a lot of people. And I don't think we're always aware of how much it helps. We don't get enough nature in our lives. And so just having that as a regular dose is important. On the opposite end, if I've been really solitude, I will actively uh, try and, you know, reach out to somebody, you know, just to like, uh, or talk to my husband saying like, I don't know why, I'm feeling down. And he'll say, and he's not one to be like, oh, snap out of it. He'll be like, tell me about it. Or you're like, what do you need? Sometimes just feeling like somebody's there to help in those moments is huge. So I think you have to have... Um, your list of things that work for you because they will become this, you know, something you can rely on, they're like your own tools. So, I know if I'm like not, you know, like I'm feeling low or not energized or not inspired, it's actually often the last thing I want to do is to do some kind of movement, believe it or not, even though I'm so programmed, but I will make myself do something 10 minutes because at the very least, I feel better. It might not have pulled it all the way out, but I, you, you want to start the uptick in the right direction. There's a lot more to say about this. I always want to say everyone is different. And don't compare yourself to anybody else's journey because we all have different paths. We all have different chemistry and history. And I can't recommend like going to a really good therapist if that's something that would also be beneficial. KB.
1: Yeah, um, I love everything you said, and I agree completely. Um, I do have a strong family history of depression. I have struggled with anxiety and depression in my life, to the point where I've sought, I've taken medication for it, I've had therapy for it, I've taken different medications for it. So, um, and I think that there is a stigma associated with that. I certainly felt I felt bad about having quote unquote to take medication. And that is where therapy did help a lot. Therapy helped me rewire that thought of to your point, comparing it to diabetes, you would never shame a diabetic for taking insulin. Um, I that that helped me with a lot of shame. So if anybody out there is having shame for taking medication, you know, that is that is one huge benefit of well talking to other people who take it, but also having having a therapist. That that was the game changer. I do believe that I needed medical, you know, by way of medicinal assistance at certain times in my life too. So that's the other thing. You might be wired for it, but where you are in your life matters. What's happening around you. When my children were little, when I was going through situations that were hard, I was more prone to swings. And that was when I would use medication. And I've gone through periods, I've gone on it, gone off it, gone on it, gone off it. I haven't had to take, and I'm not proud of this. I'm not saying this like, yay me. I'm just telling you, I think my life has turned around in such a way that I, I haven't had to take medication for years. I think I did learn a lot from years of therapy, where for me, writing stuff down would help. Writing down how I was feeling in the moment of a depressive thought, because then that gave me the ability to look back with my therapist. I would write it down in a little notebook and I would bring it to her and I'd be like, oh, I hated it. I hated going back and reading what I wrote. But when you look back on what you write with a more clear mind, it can help you really target the irrationality of some thoughts that we have when we are depressed. Those thoughts are real in that moment. And then when you look at them, when you're out of it, you can really say, wow, wow, I know I was feeling that way, but look, here I am on the other side or here I am not quite as low, or maybe I'm still as low, but I'm looking at it through a different lens and I'm seeing, or I'm speaking it to my therapist and hearing myself say what my brain was telling me helped, helped me a lot. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm not a journalist. I don't journal. I don't have a diary. I hate to write so this was a struggle, but man, was it therapeutic for me, so that might be something for you. Um, but you know, seeking out yes, the right medical professional to help you, I had to shop around for therapists that that were that worked well for my personality, um, and that was a game changer, and really just unloading and then yes, leaning on my husband when i f- personally now when I feel, cause I'll still have that. Mine is worse. Like around my period. I still, I can almost tell I'll be like, whoo, I'll feel that cloud. You're talking about mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know why I feel this way, but Oh, yep. I'm about ready to start my period. <laughs> and, you know, I recognize it. And I say, you know what? I'll be back in 20 minutes. I go upstairs. I lie down. I read my book where I like to escape. I maybe I go for a walk. I go mm-hmm. for a run and then I'm better. So, you know, I've learned because mine are more controlled. I'm not, my, my life circumstances aren't as swingy as they were when my kids were little and a lot of stress and you know, financial stresses and things like that. Um, So, you know, yes, everyone's different and you may be different in different times in your life, but get help and um, talk to someone about it because that can change your life for the better. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: One last thing I'll add, and it's again, it's not just to promote movement, but having seen so many people over the years who have struggled in real ways with depression, and this is just science too, we carry all of it in our bodies. We carry the feelings, the history, the trauma, the memories, um, and we need to move to... Unburden and sometimes unmoored. Like it's almost like concrete is in us that we have to shake up. And um, movement is medicine in that way as well. It is so magical. And I know like grief is different than depression, but it's another form of feeling down. <laughs> um, and for me, in my depths of grief, moving and like making noise because you need to free some stuff like we're so inhibited i always talk about all of us are emotionally constipated when i when i try and get somebody to make some noise during class and it's like i'm making like ha ah, ah, ha like i hear a little bit i'm like we need to feel freer to release that stuff so that's another big thing that helped me tremendously is the moving and make noise <laughs>
1: I've definitely can, got more vocal since I started practicing yeah. it and teaching
0: yeah. Like ah, yeah, yeah, it all like it's it's like, just try it out. Like it is so cathartic, and sometimes that tiny bit of catharsis can start the wheels moving to make you feel better. And so it's just another add-on. There's a lot of ingredients, and everybody's different. We want always want to say that, but I hope that helped. And as always, for all of you, we're hoping you um, enjoy what we talk about. As you can see, nothing is off topic. We are not experts at mental health. We obviously do know some stuff. Mental and physical health are intertwined. If you haven't listened to my monthly motivation about how we have to connect body and spirit more and more in our lexicon, in our understanding, please listen to that. I think it's back in August. But it is we have to connect these two. However, there are other layers and we're not experts on when you really need to seek that extra layer of mental health for sure. But anything else you could ask us and if we'll tell you what we think. We'll tell you where you might want to look more into. Um, So send us any questions. You can write us at support at lityoga.com or
1: you can reach us on Instagram. You can find Laura at laura.hyman and me at kbwilliams99. Nothing is off the table.
0: Nothing's off the table. We love you and as always we are pulling for you. Pulling for you. Yeah.